good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. Uh, I'm Jeremy Pinch, and I have Rick Whitmer and John Schubert again with me this morning. Uh, Men, it's good to see both of you. Good to see you, too. It's becoming a habit. I know. It's too often. It's too often. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today... We are continuing our study through what we believe is a church. The last few weeks we've been diving into the Trinity. Uh, talked about the Trinity three weeks ago, God the Father two weeks ago, Jesus Christ last week. And if you can guess it, we're going to be talking about the Spirit today. So I'm excited to talk about that. Again, if you have not read through our statement of faith, you can go on our website Uh, and find it under What We Believe. Uh, You can download it, or you can just read it on the website. But God the Holy Spirit, this is a hot topic today in the church. Uh, I think there's some mass confusion uh, about the Holy Spirit. And some masked confusion. And some masked confusion. Uh, But recently we put on a theological survey Uh, for the church to fill out, and one of the questions I believe had to do with, is the Holy Spirit a life force or a person, I believe is what the question read. Um, Talk us through that. What does that mean? Is is the Holy Spirit a life force or is he a person, and why is that that important? Well, the the survey that you're mentioning, the uh, Theology and Spiritual Life survey, uh, is still, just so you anyone who's listening hasn't taken it, is still available for the next week uh, through the end of March and takes about, so far it's taken on average about 16 minutes for people to complete. It's on our website under the resources tab. And um, and now we're going to give you the answer to that question. <laughs> it's not a test. It's a survey. It's a survey. But um, yeah, we, we, basically the survey brings us through major categories of doctrine and spiritual devotional life, um, just to kind of gauge where people are on that in our church. And um, it's been really encouraging to see how people are thinking theologically and, and engaging with the Lord personally and um, in their feedback. But one of the questions about God uh, has to do with the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the, the greatest misconceptions that um, Christians at large have is that um, God the Father is personal. You know, that's why we call him Father, and that denotes a relationship. Mm-hmm. God the Son, obviously, is personal. He became one of us. We have a relationship. You know, we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. But there's some confusion on whether the Holy Spirit is a person, like the Father and the Son. And and when we say person, we're talking about um, being, you know, we, this one God it relates within himself in three distinct divine persons, not divine beings, because there's only one divine being, but three persons. And do we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit the way that we do with the Father and the Son? And a number of people um, do think that the Spirit is a life force, not a person, that he's a divine presence, um, God's power in the world, but not, you know, not one with personality, as it were. And so that's kind of what is going into that question, in where people, um, just not, not at Sun Valley in particular, but across the world as they think about the Trinity are kind of erring. Yeah. So you think about what makes up personhood, right? You know, so what makes you and 
and me a person. And the same things that make us a person, minus the body, make the Holy Spirit a person. And I think that's that's one of the things that, that you know, I've got uh, MacArthur's Systematic Theology in front of me, MacArthur Mayhew. And one of the things that all these systematic theologies discuss concerning the personhood of the Holy Spirit is that he has all the attributes of personhood other than body. And body doesn't require, I mean, it's not a requirement of personhood. For example, they list cognition and intellect. The Holy Spirit has that, right? Uh, volition or will, the Holy Spirit has that. Emotion and affection, the Holy Spirit has that. And so those, those make up personhood. And so the Holy Spirit falls into the category of personhood, not some... Uh, you know, undefinable power source out there. Sure. Yeah. In, sure. in the when the scriptures are talking about the Holy Spirit, they always refer to Him um, with pronouns of personhood. He, yeah. You know, and, and, and we don't pray to it. Right. Yeah. At least we shouldn't. Right. Exactly. You know, thanks for sending it into our hearts. No, it's thank for sending Him into our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the pronouns there are important. Yeah. In Second, in First Corinthians two, Paul says that the Spirit knows the mind of God. Well, he, so he he knows, you know, a, an impersonal life force doesn't know, hmm. you know. Hmm. So well, when you think about you think about uh, what the person of the Holy Spirit does. I don't know if you're going to get there or not, Jeremy. But um, the another uh, affirmation of the personhood of Christ is, I mean, personhood of the Holy Spirit is his his job, what he does mm-hmm. in the context of the Trinity. For example, we, we, we know that from Romans, he adopts, right? Romans chapter 8, he baptizes the believer. In 1 Corinthians 12, he bears witness with the believer. Romans 8 again, he calls to ministry. Acts 1, he convicts of sin. He empowers, he fills, he guarantees, he guards, he helps, etc. All these things the Holy Spirit does, which are which are affirmations of his personhood. He is actually thinking about the needs of God's people and applying his work in them. Yeah. 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 So uh, he he's obviously not like what is portrayed in uh, Star Wars, right? Where he's just kind the of force. the force. Mm. Right? There's, there's more yeah. to the person of the Holy Spirit. And why is it, why is it, I, I guess coming back now is, is why is it so important? Why is it necessary that we understand that he is that person? Well, if he weren't, he wouldn't be God. Um, and our salvation, as we've discussed over the past three weeks, is dependent upon a, a triune God. Each member of the Trinity uh, plays a different role in our salvation, mm-hmm. and the parts that the Holy Spirit plays are as critical as the part the Father and the Son play. And so I think that f- that's why it's important to understand this doctrine. It, it, if you think that the Holy Spirit is just a life force, I, I think you have a basic misunderstanding of your salvation. And I think that's a, an important thing. Like I just said, he he adopts us into the family of God. He 
He regenerates the soul. He, all these things are the work of the Spirit. They're not, they're not some force out there, you know, doing this. Sure. It's, it's the third person of the Trinity accomplishing the work of God in our hearts. Sure. In our lives. Sure, sure. And it goes beyond that. It goes to gifting, like mm-hmm. your spiritual gifts, uh, which every Christian has and is given at the point of regeneration which we nurture and develop, Mm -hmm. uh, but they're given to us at the point of regeneration. Those are called gifts of the Spirit for a reason. They're given by the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit grants those specifically, individually, for the purpose of building up the church and expanding the kingdom of God, uh, getting out the gospel. The Holy Spirit grants particular, specific, strategic gifts to his people. And Mm -hmm. uh, and this is, I think, a pretty... Uh, interesting subject matter because you think about all the local churches, you know, the one the ones that are actually, you know, God-honoring, Bible-believing local churches. The Holy Spirit at the point of conversion grants gifts, spiritual gifts, to individuals he know will populate different local churches hmm. for the building up of that particular body. Mm-hmm. And so when I came to Christ in my I don't know, elementary school years, I'm not sure when it was, uh, the Holy Spirit granted me gifts knowing that I would be pastoring Sun Valley Church you know, <laughs> 45 years later. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and he does the same for every believer. Your children, when they come to faith, the Holy Spirit is thinking far enough down the road to grant them certain gifts that will be used by the Spirit for the expansion of the kingdom of God, for the, for the progress of the gospel. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of... It's an amazing concept. It is. I, mean, I was talking with someone the other day about the nature of spiritual gifts and how the Spirit gives different, you know, draws from these different gift categories, right, that we see in the New Testament, which is not exhaustive, but that he, and he tailors them together for a unique gift for each person, right, who, right. who are in, who's in the body of Christ. So literally what we can say and we need to say and remind each other of is no one has the gift that you in particular bring to the church in the way that you bring it. You're mixed. And so we actually yeah. need you. Yeah. We need you not just present. We need you serving. We need you exercising that gift. We need you in small group. We need you building up the body because when you're not there, something the spirit has intended for the nurture of the saints isn't happening. Mm-hmm. And I highly doubt that anybody who's not coming back to church at this point is listening to this. But if you who are back to church and listening to this know of somebody in the church who hasn't come back or just doesn't, you know, they just kind of petered off because uh, it's mm-hmm. been convenient to watch at home, exhort them mm-hmm. to come back because we really, the church needs Send it. them this podcast. The Spirit has designed them yeah. to be here and we need that. Yeah. John, and I think you made a reference of that in your sermon on Sunday that we're not, we're not saved to individuality. We're actually right. saved into the body of Christ. Exactly. And we, we use our gifts to build up the body. <laughs> right, right. And that's all work of the Spirit. We're talking about the, the, the work of the Spirit right. here. What, right. And, and, and I know you started with his personhood, you know, affirming that he is person, not force. But that <clears throat> that flows out into all these other things that we're talking about, right. like the the giving of spiritual gifts to his people sure. for the benefit of the people of God and the glory of Christ, which is, I think, one of the questions you're going to be asking is, how does the Holy Spirit glorify Christ? This is how. Mm-hmm. He, he, he regenerates people. Uh, he adopts them into the family of God. He gives them gifts so that Jesus Christ will be made much of by his people. Yeah. 
And that brings glory to Christ. The more people that become like Christ, the more people that are saved into the family of God bring glory to the Father and the Son by the Spirit. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's wonderful stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So often when we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about Pentecost and, and uh, you know his work beginning there at the church. Uh, but we understand from the rest of Scripture, uh, starting in Genesis 1 particularly, and moving our way through the Old Testament, that the Spirit Spirit's work did not just begin in Acts chapter 2. It actually was alive and well all throughout the Scriptures. Um, so talk a little bit about what the Spirit was doing in the Old Testament leading up to... Uh, Acts 2 and Pentecost? Uh, you know, obviously, like you said, he was active at creation. Um, the Spirit of God hovered over the water. So, you know, as we talked about earlier, the Father creates through the Son and by the Spirit. Um, but, you know, Second Peter 1, Peter talks about the giving of Scripture and the inspiration of the Scriptures happened. No prophet spoke by his own will, but was carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit was active in the writing of Scripture. Obviously, every person who's ever, you know, been spiritually dead and then responds to God by faith alone in Christ, um, does so by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so he's Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament regenerating the elect the same as he does in the New. But what's different is that in the New Testament, he indwells each believer starting Mm -hmm. at Pentecost. He's not doing that in the Old Testament. He's obviously sustaining spiritual life um, because there could be no response of faith without the Spirit's work. Uh, applying the future work of Christ at that point. But what we do see unique in the Old Testament that transitions into the indwelling of every believer in the new is what is called the, the theocratic anointing. You know, the Holy Spirit comes on select people, and it has nothing to do with even their faith. Yeah. Bezalel and Aholiab, um, Moses, Joshua, Samson, the womanizer, you know, uh, he, the Spirit comes on him. He even comes on Saul, who tries to kill David and the prophets and the kings through the line of Judah, you know, and this is a much broader subject, so we're not going to get into it, but that, that basically the anointing of the spirit is for the administration of the life of God's people and the service that God intended to preserve his people through that period of time leading up to the coming of the new covenant, which is why David prayed something that we, sh- we, we aren't going to pray, which is take not your Holy Spirit from me. You know, that does not mean... We sing it, but we don't pray. We sing it, but we don't pray. No. <laughs> Jeremy, And, and that depends that? on the song. You know, yeah. <laughs> that was an old Kevin song. Yeah. No, you, the Holy Spirit can't... <laughs> Wait, what was that? I didn't yeah. get it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit... We should adjust that. Taken. Yeah, please. There's some bad theology there, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, take it up with Keith Green. Come on, Patrick. <laughs> Keith. On. Oh, Patrick. Keith. You know, the Holy Come Spirit's on, Keith. Seal. What you doing, Keith? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> The Holy Spirit's not going to be taken from us, even when we grieve Him, because it's the seal, the guarantee of our hope. Right? It's permanent. First, yeah. first, you know, Ephesians one. But in the Old Testament, David, who had the anointing of the Spirit, um, could lose the Holy Spirit's anointing, and that anointing was taken from Saul and given to David. And David, realizing his sin, didn't want that to happen. Hmm. And I think a critical uh, point there is David wasn't concerned about losing his salvation. Right. And the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that regenerates us, 
you know, and adopts us into the family of God, regenerated David. Yeah. He wasn't praying, oh, Lord, don't let me lose my salvation. Right. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was concerned, as Rick said, about the anointing of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit in his life and leadership of God's people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important. It really a lot is. Of because people a lot... look at that text and go, oh, no, I can lose my salvation. Yes, right. And they, they, they wonder, well, how are people in the Old Testament saved? Yeah. yeah. And it's the same way we're saved. Yeah. yeah. The Holy Spirit regenerated them just like us. Yeah. That's how you're saved. That's the only way you're saved. Yeah. And he preserved them. But we have the Spirit dwelling in us, right. which so, is an amazing new covenant reality. So just, I'd rather be in this covenant. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just to be clear, when we talk about the theocratic anointing, we're talking about a specific person being anointed by the Holy Spirit to lead the people of Israel. Is that what you're doing? To accomplish yeah. certain things. Like the yeah. Holy Spirit came upon Samson. Yeah. And he broke the ropes and beat up the Philistines. Yeah, okay. The Holy Spirit came upon David. The Holy okay. Spirit came upon Ezekiel and Isaiah. And, you know, there's there's a lift of 20 different occasions when the Holy Spirit came upon people mm-hmm. yeah. to accomplish specific tasks yeah. okay. that were required. Came upon Joshua. In fact, in the life of Joshua, it seems like he was uh, um, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit for quite significant lengths of time. Hmm. You know, there's, there's just a few, Joshua, Ezekiel, the prophets, uh, that that anointing seemed to remain for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Samson, come and go. You know, these, these 70 prophets, come and go. Yeah. But there are, there are some, um, you know, you, you read in Daniel how uh, Nebuchadnezzar thought the Holy Spirit of God was upon Daniel. Uh, and, you know, there's debate over whether or not he was or not. He obviously was in the in the writing of scripture, but in terms of of the long term empowerment of Daniel, hmm. there's debate because Nebuchadnezzar was an ungodly king making that assessment, and that was the record in Daniel. Yeah, but uh, still we have a an a, a ungodly king Nebuchadnezzar recognizing something special and powerful and divine in this guy Daniel. Yeah, yeah. that that at least was around for years. Yeah. You know, if not decades, so but it did. It was it was a temporary thing. Okay, it wasn't permanent like okay. like the benefit that we have. Yeah, yeah. And that point of transition is you know the coming of Christ, right? Where he comes into the synagogue. He he is the fulfillment of the prophet. The holy the the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. His spirit, you know, at his baptism, the spirit came upon Christ. Yeah. And then from the time of Pentecost on, yeah. we have unspeakable benefits that are spelled out, you know, especially in Ephesians one, but all over the place. Yeah. So when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, I think, you know, uh, just based off of, uh, you know, the charismatic theology, the being filled with the Spirit is just like this this extra blessing of the Spirit uh, where we can speak in tongues and prophesy and heal people. Mm, preach it. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we talk about, in our in our statement of faith, of being uh, born of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, what, what, do, what do we mean by that? That, that ha- happens at conversion or regeneration. Okay. Okay. I think I, I've heard um, people of sound doctrine use the same terminology. Man, that pastor was filled by the Spirit today. Mm-hmm. And I think they mean something different than our charismatic brothers mean yeah. when that happens um, or when they say things like that. I, I, I'm, I know Scripture teaches that there's one filling of the spirit that takes place in the life of a believer, not two, three, four, or six. It's one, and it happens at regeneration. Yeah. That's why the gospel becomes attractive to us. Yeah. 
That's why we embrace Christ. Yeah. That's why we have new affections and, and the old is gone uh, and the new has come. That Because of that initial filling of the Spirit at the point of regeneration. And that happens to all believers without them knowing it. Mm-hmm. What their response is, oh, the gospel looks, this looks good now. Why? You've been filled with the Spirit. That's mm-hmm. why. Now, to, to defend or to, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to our charismatic brothers and sisters, I think there is something um, in the life of New Testament believers, New Covenant believers like ourselves, where we could live by the Spirit more than we do, right? That's what Paul said in, in, in Romans 8. That he, he calls us to live by the Spirit instead of living by the flesh. That's different than being filled by the Spirit that Paul speaks of to the Corinthians. Mm. And those two things, it's important to keep distinct. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's there's kind of a parallel. We've talked about union with Christ and communion with Christ. That every believer um, has an unshakable, once and for all, permanent union with Jesus because of our faith in Him. We're we're united with Him by faith. But then the daily experience of our communion with Jesus ebbs and flows based on a number of factors. Our obedience, are we seeking the Lord? Are we um, in active sin? Are we confessing our sins? Um, In the New Testament, there's also a difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is that once and for all immersion into Christ Mm -hmm. by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then we have Paul in places like Ephesians um, saying, you know, he's making a contrast here with drunkenness, which is a controlling reality. You're controlled by wine. He doesn't say wine is wrong, Mm -hmm. but he does say it is sinful to be controlled by it. You know, have so much that you lose your faculties. And so do not get drunk with wine. That is debauchery. But, and here's the the command, Mm -hmm. be filled with the Spirit. And this command to be filled with the Spirit is a command for every believer to be Hmm. pursuing being filled with the Spirit, which is kind of like a, you know, like John said, everybody has the Holy Spirit. Every Christian. Every Christian does. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. But there is a, a correlation between our obedience to this command and what results, which is addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, always giving thanks. Mm. And the parallel passage with that is in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now we need to harmonize that and understand what Paul means by filling of the Spirit. When we look at those two passages together, the picture is this. Being filled with the Spirit is the Spirit, as the agent, filling our lives with the content, which is the Word mm. of Christ. Mm. And so a, a Bible-saturated, Christ-centered life where we are yielding ourselves to God under the authority of the Scriptures and it is, the, is the life of being filled with the Spirit. And it's the Spirit doing the filling, and it's the Word filling us. And the result is a thankful, rejoicing in, in Christ-centered living. So, how would you how would you counsel someone, Rick, who comes to you and says, "I just need to be, I just need more of the Holy Spirit"? What would you say to them? Um, I'd say, well, um, open your Bible. Open your Bible, number one, <laughs> and and come with me to the sink, and let me fill this cup up yes. to the point where it's full, and then I'm going to say, 
I really need more water in this cup. Yeah. And they'll say, "What? That, that you do not. Yeah, you, it's full. You've got quite enough water. Yeah. You know, the question is, I, w- I would ask, well, what is it that's prompting you to think you need more of the Spirit? Yeah. And that will re- reveal either misunderstanding in what their expectations are for the Christian life, or it will reveal a lack of some obedience in their life, like they're not praying. And the answer is, we well, don't need more of what God has supplied you with to the full measure. That happens at regeneration. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need to tap into what you've got mm-hmm. and right it's you see you've heard the analogies you know like your bank account is full you know you just aren't living like it you're mm-hmm. living like a a pauper when you're actually a, a prince yeah your bank account's full but you just don't you're not living like it which is why paul says to the galatians in five sixteen, but i say walk by the spirit so that you do not gratify the desires of the flesh and then he goes into what the the fruit of the flesh is and then the fruit of the spirit later on down in that same chapter yeah and i think that's what we're talking about yeah we're not saying you get more filled right. when we're you know living like christ yeah. you're just more obedient yeah. to the word as he pours it into your heart if i'm living in flagrant sin it's not that the word is lacking in its sufficiency for me i'm i'm not i'm not being filled with it in the sense of like there is a lack of the word taking root in my life because I'm not grabbing hold of what God has supplied in full measure, pressed down and running over, yeah. you see? Yeah. And so yeah. it, this has such significance for those besetting sins that that it, it sometimes enslave believers and that we all deal with from time to time. Um, I'll hear somebody say, I'm, I just can't beat this sin or it's got a hold on me and I can't say no. Hmm. And the question is, if you have the Holy Spirit... That is not a true statement. There is no such thing as you can't resist by God's grace. He's given you everything for life and godliness. And by the fact that he's given you the Holy Spirit, that the power of sin has been broken. Its penalty is gone. Mm-hmm. Now deal with its presence. Yeah. And we can talk about that, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's not a lack of, or inability. And what it is, is it's a submission to the flesh instead of to the spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Yeah. And Paul talks about that in, in Galatians chapter six, you know, so, so to the spirit, not to the flesh. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So, um, well, we'll finish here in our, in our statement of faith. We say that the Holy Spirit glorifies neither himself nor his gifts by ostentatious displays. I think I said that correctly, ostentatious. Um, but he does glorify Christ by in- implementing his work of redeeming the lost and building up believers in the most holy of faith. So why is it important that uh, the Spirit glorifies the Son? Because it tends, it seems to be that, in, especially in the charismatic view, is just this high view of the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit and, and his gifts and everything else. Uh, but But we're saying something differently here. Yeah, we are. I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Captain. Yeah, no, that's an important question. Ostentatious. You're asking, asking, (laughs) what is this ministry of the Holy Spirit that is to glorify the Son instead of glorify the gifts of that Spirit, right? Well, if it's glorifying the gifts of the Spirit, Jeremy, it's glorifying the human who receives them, right? If, 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 if I'm going to be glorified for my gift of teaching, that is not glory to Christ. That's glory to John. Hmm, okay. 
And that is exact opposite of what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. Yeah. He's not in it to build up the saints in that regard, in terms of building up my pride, building up my status in the community, even in the community of saints. He's building me up to make much of Christ. He's building you up to make much of Christ. He's building every believer up to make much of Christ, not to make much of the gift that I have. Mm-hmm. My gift is, is designed specifically, strategically, to produce glory to God and joy to God's people. Not glory to the individual and personal satisfaction and fulfillment. That's not the reason they're given. They're given to make much of Christ. And so when you use your gifts, when anybody uses their gifts, it should result in people saying, look at Jesus, mm-hmm. look how great Jesus mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. And not, oh man, Jeremy and Rick, they are something else, aren't they? <laughs> well, wow, we are. let's, let's make the bronze uh, statue speak, out front of that. those two. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, can't speak to that. It, uh, why not silver? No. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, you, so we talk about the distinction of the persons of the Godhead and their function and role in their eternal, co-equal, co-glorious, co-eternal relationship. Um, The Father exalts the Son who has gone through suffering, right, and and gives him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when he receives the kingdom, at the end of all things, he he submits that kingdom to the Father and gives it to the Father, and the Son brings glory to the Father. The Holy Spirit, proceeding from the Father and the Son, brings glory to Christ, he—that's what Jesus says. He says, "When the Helper comes, um, he 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 hear whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you." And when we look at the process of redemption applied, Jesus accomplishes our redemption by the Father's will and plan, and then the Holy Spirit applies that redemption with our regeneration drawing us, justifying us, adopting us. And then here, what's the majority of the Christian life? It is sanctifying us. Mm -hmm. Well, what is that? It's becoming more like whom? Christ, right? So the the Spirit, by forming Christ's image in Christ's people, is magnifying Christ because it's His image Mm. that we are being conformed to. And, of course, all of that is to the joy and delight of the Spirit and the Father. And they all of them receive glory from it, but Christ is the centerpiece mm-hmm. of our salvation, our redeeming. Yeah, and so in eternity past, um, the the Godhead um, was in conversation recorded in in Titus chapter one um, that they promised one another certain things in eternity past, and one of those things was that the Father was going to set aside a group of people to bring glory to the Son. Hmm. And he was going to use the Holy Spirit to regenerate those people and turn them into image bearers of the Son, all to demonstrate the Father's love for the Son. Hmm. And so in the process of our regeneration, conversion, you know, sanctification, growth in godliness and Christ-likeness, the Holy Spirit is throughout human history, building up a group of people who are becoming more and more like Jesus. So on that great day, when we are all in his presence together, we'll be a perfect reflection of Christ mm-hmm. to his glory, all singing praises to his name for saving us, changing us, making us into his image. Mm-hmm. And it'll be the work of the spirit that's behind it all. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a tremendous picture of the love of God for the son and the 
the determination of the Spirit to glorify the Son and accomplish the Father's will uh, in regenerating, saving, and conforming his people into Christians, Christ ones. Yeah. 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 This is why the Trinity is important. This is why the Trinity is important. This is why our obedience is important. This is why our faithfulness to the Scriptures is important. Um, If anything that we do in relation to the church or our Christian experience builds us up personally, it's an error. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So. Well, I'm blessed by this conversation it's been encouraging for me and i hope it's been encouraging for you sun valley church Uh, we love you we look forward to being with you on sunday and next week as we talk about man we're gonna be talking about man next week so looking forward forward to that looking forward to being with you then nothing like man talk yeah hey (laughs) speak in tongues let's go speak in tongues let's do it (laughs) have a great day sun valley (laughs) 